0: It's been a few months and, you know, it, it's kind of a time of year where you reflect and um, take the the new year to get back in the swing of things. I think uh, today you guys will all be familiar with our guest, his long-standing history with the Institute and with the science of PRI. And um, before I, you know, introduce our guest today, again, I just want to uh, thank you for continuing this journey with us and getting to know uh, the the guests and the people on this podcast that are um, introduced possibly to you for the first time. Again, I think you'll probably recognize and appreciate Jason Masick who is here with us today. And again, kind of a fore forewarning or a you know a truth be told kind of moment. Jason and I have really known each other since you know his history here at the institute and and with the Hruska clinic started Um, but to introduce Jason he uh, has a couple different credentials as a physical therapist athletic trainer um, strength and conditioning specialist and um, really uh, what I what I hope to highlight today as well is Jason was a part of the first ever PRSC class in 2014 so we'll get into a little bit of Jason's history, and and again, you know, it, it covers such a large chunk of our history with the Institute and, and our sister clinic, if you will, across the street here. So, Jason, thanks for sitting down with us, and I know, as I mentioned, a lot of the listeners probably have seen your work and your involvement with uh, our Institute throughout the years, but thanks again. Thank you, RJ. Um, Jason, you know... I kind of forewarned them, you know, we see each other on a, pretty much a daily basis and Jason has known Ron and, and everyone involved here at the Institute and, and myself, really probably Jason going on over two decades, probably a, over 20 years now and has really been a part of, of this campus since the foundation of, of both our Institute and the Hruska Clinic, which we'll get into. But Jason, before we get into some of those you know, backstories and some of the history there. I want to just briefly go over some of your schooling, where you went to school. I think, you know, Jason, with, with a lot of our guests on the podcast so far, I'm not sure that any of them have quite the same setting of schooling as you did with PT school. Uh, we've had some athletic trainers on and, and similar backgrounds. But uh, before we get into kind of your PT you know, where you went to PT school and, and that program, Jason, walk us through a little bit about really just how you got involved with sports medicine. And, you know, before, before your PT degree, you received your athletic training degree and a master's in kinesiology, I believe through the university of Nebraska, but walk us through just how you got even interested in sports medicine and became more involved with the athletic training
1: program at the university. Well, kind of back up way back, in, it would probably in the early 90s. I was always interested in sports medicine, but I just really didn't know if that's what I wanted to do or if I wanted to become a physician. But then I always liked sports, so you know it's kind of the same old, same old. Like sports, and you want to go into athletic training. So I uh, had the opportunity to meet uh, a gentleman by the name of Duke Larue at uh, University of Nebraska, and to believe it or not, there's probably. You know, including your dad, there's three mentors that I kind of really respect from a sports medicine uh, standpoint. I can I don't know if I many people can say that, but I have three Hall of, Hall of Fame athletic trainers that are, that are in the NATA Hall of Fame, one being Duke, LaRue, George Sullivan, and Jerry Weber. And then uh, there's soon to be one when I went to the University of Minnesota, uh, Jim Marshall. So these guys kind of, you know, they were the old school trainers, kind of always had the hard knocks for the athletes always kind of did their thing and got these athletes back on the field but the thing that I always really enjoyed or liked looking at was the rehab side of it and trying to get the players better and uh, you know you can see an ankle sprain you can see a knee sprain but then there's oftentimes there's there's athletes that had chronic injuries or things that things that weren't getting better and so I always wanted to you know, figure out why, you know, I always say the why is in the house or why is this person uh, presenting this way or why, why is that happening? So initially, I kind of run through this, your, your dad came down to the university many years ago and we had some issues with uh, hip and groin or sports hernia injuries and he, he uh, had this athlete blow up a balloon and I'm like thinking, well, what the heck does that balloon have anything to do with the, with the hip injury? With the hamstring. Yeah. And so, you know, I kind of just kind of kept my eye on this guy. I didn't really know him at the time, and I asked, you know, the trainers who that guy was. But lo and behold, that athlete got better or started to improve. And so I kind of kept my eye on your dad, and and, and he was kind of doing some protonics back in the day um, at at UNL. And they would have little uh, in-services with the uh, athletic training staff and the strength staff. So there was always, you know, he was just trying to help out and give his guidance to the uh to the medical staff at the university. So I was always kind of intrigued by what he had to say because it was always something different. It wasn't the same old, same old, and it was, wasn't was always you know the typical treatment regimens. So it was kind of the outside of the box thinking. And some of it was accepted, some of it wasn't, but that was back, you know, he was uh, teaching a lot of protonics courses and, and getting people to understand how the hip or the hamstring influences patellofemoral pain. So they were using protonics down there and so you'd see results and even after like ACL rehabs and stuff like that they'd put protonics on on individuals so we you know the proof was in the pudding because you'd see these patients recover a little quicker so after i left uh UNL i pursued my masters in kinesiology at the university of minnesota um kind of the network of people one of the uh trainers that jerry weber went to school with uh, Roger Shipper was those two were grad assistants under Duke LaRue So I it was kind of neat that there was this big connection. And so I I worked with football up at the University of Minnesota and uh, Kind of brought some, you know, protonics Mindset up there and kind of introduced some of the things there and then you know, I always thought I was going to be a, a head trainer uh, Slash PT but back then PT school was very very competitive so I know I had two options I could either be an athletic trainer or a physical therapist, so I applied to PT school, got in, and, uh, you know, I got to, you know, I worked college athletics uh, as in undergrad and as a grad assistant for six years, but you soon realize that there's a lot of time involved, and it's, it's, uh, working football especially, you never had any time off. You were working almost seven days a week, and you were the first to come in, and the last to go home, and Holidays were always, you know, compromised because of, of things. So it was a very uh, rewarding job in the sense that you, uh, you you get to work with a lot of different people. But in the same token, you got to put a lot of time in. So I have a lot of respect for athletic trainers in that regard of what they... Uh, Just the commitment.
0: The commitment and the, that they the provide
1: and, and the things that they go through. And I couldn't even imagine what some of these trainers, you know, even strength coaches are going through nowadays with... With all the rules and everything, and especially with COVID and everything else, I mean, you're, you're it's almost some, I don't want to say a thankless job, but it's very, it's, sometimes you're never, you sometimes you feel like you're never appreciated, but the athletes appreciate you and you can have the relationships with those athletes and it, and it goes a long ways. I mean, I still run into some former athletes to this day and they still remember you. You don't think that they remember you, but they remember you. You might've helped them out with doing something. You might've taped their ankle or whatever it may be, but that's kind of really rewarding nowadays. So after University of Minnesota, I was still kind of had my eyes on on Ron. Um, he was really kind of getting heavy into the protonics, and I think he was starting to teach, like, myokinematic courses at the time. That would have been, like, I was at the University of Minnesota from, like, 97 to 99, and so then I went to PT school. Uh, at the It was called the uh, Des Moines University Osteopathic Medical Center in Des Moines, um,
0: well, and before I'm I'm gonna interject before we get into PT school, I just want to ask a quick question. You know, you you matriculated, if you will, from the University of Nebraska up to Minnesota, and really, really, it was your mentors' mentor. You know, as you said, you're under this kind of umbrella of connection that that some of your mentors at U N L were also trained and and you know developed and grad assistants under. Is it Duke that was up at uh, up at the University of Minnesota? But Jason, when you went up to at that time, you were completing your master's and also, and I believe a GA at at the University of Minnesota. But here's a you know a relatively young athletic trainer coming up to a new kind of new setting. When you got there and slowly, I assume tried to introduce some of what you saw here in Lincoln at the University of Nebraska what was the perception regarding, you know, some of those concepts that came along with protonics? Was it was it something that uh the staff at Minnesota had already been kind of familiarized with? At that time, you know, so many other of our guests have had the same introduction through through different in services regarding protonics or, you know, like you said, this, this hamstring activating a hamstring through whether it be respiration and balloon techniques or the protonics itself but were you able to introduce the protonics at all during your time in minnesota or was it already kind of known well if
1: the there was a, a company by the name of empy which was based out of minneapolis i believe or somewhere in minnesota don't quote me on the exact uh location but they were putting on uh protonics courses um James Anderson was doing it, not necessarily in the Twin Cities, but throughout the country. Throughout the country. Um, so I think Empy was the first company to kind of take on the Protonics. So it was kind of based in in the Twin Cities, so they knew about it, but they didn't really know about much it. about <laughs> it. The science behind it. it was just it was considered that brace. You know, it was you know it's a system, as we know now. It's not a, a knee brace, but it was the brace that cl- uh, corrected knee pain. They had no clue. You just put it the on mechanics some, behind you put it. put some do do a couple uh, uh, hamstring curls with it, and lo and behold, you got your you know your knee was getting better. But a lot of this stuff was you know it was a gal by the name of Karen Swanson. I think your dad would remember. She was a PT up there, and she kind of worked with the university. So the university had some ties to it, but they really didn't have any clue. And to tell you the truth, I didn't really know much about it either. It was right. just first coming out, and so it was something new. And secondly, you know it was kind of me transitioning from the university of nebraska to minnesota we had just won like two national championships so going you know they they wanted the new stuff so they knew we had new innovative type things you know it's just a different mindset of of how you go about doing things and it's not that they were doing anything wrong it's just different ways of looking at things and coming you know look being on a national championship team they think you're you're always have the newest and latest technology but it's the science i think that really kind of Moved forward with that, and yeah. and you know even like back with Frank and Frank Chutris and all those guys with Protonics. I remember the days. It was it was he had all sorts of kinds of different gadgets even at the university, always trying to be innovative even in the weight room with the it was kind of like a yeah. Protonics device that they put on a uh, like a standing hamstring curl machine. I don't know your dad probably yeah. know what I'm talking
0: about. Well, and the only reason I I pause to bring it up is just because so many people introduced to the science today. May sit here and wonder what the heck we're talking about because you know it's it's kind of like we're at a at a level now where most of most of the people that you know are are up to speed or or even introduced to the science are are somewhat you know already integrative thinking and um, it may not be all that new of a concept now, but we're again just to kind of mention this this is you know, roughly twenty years ago and all well, of this. Probably twenty five is twenty five years ago. So anyways, uh, you know, similar definitely have had similar introductions where James and Mike and a lot of the early early involvement and even pre PRI, even before the institute was created, a lot of people were introduced to these concepts through Protonics. So uh, at least worth mentioning there. Um, but continue on, Jason. So as you get into kind of your your Move into the PT world and PT schooling. I'll let you continue that story, but just again, kind of how you how you really um, ended up in Des Moines. Did you did you even know you know the differences between more of an osteopathic <coughs> setting like you were in in Des Moines and that you graduated from, or maybe it was just kind of in hindsight you ended up there. Well,
1: Dan Dan Hoagland and I were just having this conversation about a week ago. We look back on our education being trained in an osteopathic mindset and how it correlates to PRI and we're i can honestly say we're blessed i had no idea back then you know just getting pt school was so competitive that just the mere fact that you got in pt school i was content and i was going to pt school so i just that was the first place i got in yeah and i took it and ran with it and i didn't i didn't worry about it and so once i got to pt school i thought all the physical therapists learned the same thing well They have a very mechanical-based mindset. I mean, over and over and over, we went over rib function. And I mean, what I think, like Dan and I were talking, most schools will only kind of touch on things uh, briefly. But we had a real strong mechanical, biomechanical background, which kind of really kind of, you know, they make make you think about other relationships and, and the integration part of not just looking at one joint. And I was also blessed to have a... An instructor there, uh, another mentor that your dad knows on a personal level, personal level, his name was Steve Clark, and your dad and him were almost, you know, they could almost be twins in very, very similar ways, and he has a very successful practice in Iowa. I always appreciated the fact that he would always, you know, teach us something in PT school. He says, well, here's what here's what I got to teach you, but this is what you're going to see in the clinic. So he was very clinically based. You know, in PT school, you're trying to learn things to pass your boards but he always kind of took it to the next level and saying you know we'll look at this and, and and look at this and how this reflects this so he got you thinking a little bit more and I you know that's what really even kind of turned me back to the PRI concept of you know back then it wasn't even called posture restoration it probably wasn't even called postura- postural posture right, restoration yeah. until I got here working at the clinic you know what did you call what do you call that that science and so just the mere fact that you know, how different things reflect other things and integrate with things. Um, and so at that point, I kind of knew that I just didn't want to be, you know, I was still maybe thinking athletic medicine, I was still thinking PT, but then, you know, I'm like, I don't want to be that, the same old normal physical therapist. I don't want to be the same old athletic trainer. I want to do, I want to be different. I don't want to be, you know, seeing just knees. I don't want to be seeing shoulders. I don't want to just be seeing hips. I want to see the whole, whole package of things and, and reflect on how different relationships work and really you know it's it's
0: something you do daily with your colleagues now and, and this campus but really integrating multiple you know n- now it would be disciplines but back then you're just trying to integrate multiple systems you know really like you said even the shoulder and the knee you know things that traditionally are looked um as one are joint looked at separately you know you're you're going into your career looking at them from a, a holistic picture, which, you know, I think Dan would agree, and there's so many others that that have graduated from osteopathic schooling. You know, it's, it's not to say that one's better than the other or, or, you know, you received any different of a schooling, but um, that holistic viewpoint was something that you had early on.
1: And I think so. the transition of understanding the PRI concepts made more sense because you learned, you had more of that mechanical background in... in Not to say that other schools don't have that training, but, I mean, we spent probably, I mean, a lot of time. I I, I can't even remember, but it was a lot. They really pounded it into you. Yeah.
0: Well, and as you kind of brought up, I'll go ahead and just kind of get into the next chapter here, Jason. I guess you can kind of walk us through. I believe you eventually were doing a clinical rotation back here in Lincoln. Um, And, again, you know, at that time, even today you don't always you know sometimes you land where you land and you get in these rotations or you get placed you know basically there's only so many opportunities out there and you know you ended up back here at the time uh, when you were when you were doing that clinical rotation through the Hureska clinic as we know it today you know walk us through really at that point it was probably it was probably Ron and, and maybe one other therapist, but really it was it was almost like you were doing a clinical rotation with Ron, almost yeah. like one on one. Probably. Well,
1: and there there was. I mean, there was. That was back in the day when we were still drawing uh, stick figure pictures, demonstrating techniques. Techniques, and there's probably some of these pictures somewhere. Every once in a while, you'll get an old patient, and you'll see in the chart, and there's NCR paper with some of your dad's illustrations. I know we were looking for some of those a couple of years back. Just to kind of reminisce on some of those concepts, and now you know, I remember the first day he got a uh, digital camera, and he thought he was in high heaven because <laughs> he could now take pictures of it. But it was, it was. Uh, he was just starting, starting the clinic, and he was kind of. I, I, I don't even know how he did it back then. He would work a full week schedule, come in the clinic on Monday through Friday. He, I always remember the office staff getting on him to get on the plane. He would literally leave probably maybe an hour hour and a half before his uh flight and he'd usually fly out of Omaha so he had a 45 minute to an hour drive go teach a course somewhere Saturday and Sunday come back Sunday and be back in a clinic on on Monday and I mean he did that he'd be gone probably you know three if not four weekends a month you know depending on the schedule I know you know he was gone a lot, but I yeah. mean, he had a you know he had to start somewhere, and he kind of took a lot of arrows in his back back then. I remember he'd he'd come back from some courses and just kind of shake his head. But he goes, I think, you know, I think they got it. Or right? Maybe one person. One person got it. if he like he said if he even got one or two people in that course to understand it, it was a start. And uh, you know, look where we're at today. I mean, we got you know yeah over what 200? 200, about two hundred fifty PRCs. PRC. And so you know, the numbers. I remember he was kind of. Not that he was out on an island, but I mean, James would attest, and Mike would attest, and all those people would attest. Back in the early days, how hard it was just to have someone appreciate,
0: or to listen,
1: or yeah. to listen. And you know, even going going into some courses and you know, in speaking engagements, when you get some heads nodding, and you just start no no noticing people in the crowd that actually are shaking their heads yes or kind of relating to it, then you know you got them. Um, so it's a it's a good thing to have people at least understand and appreciate the science
0: well and again so this is just at the point where you're kind of finishing up your schooling at in Des Moines but I guess kind of walk us through the next the next chapter you graduate in Des Moines and um, maybe just kind of mention how you know whether or not that in that rotation itself kind of led to your interests you know your eventual, same position you're in today, really, but how you basically, you know, became, became a PT at the clinic and then, you know, really helped grow it, grow it into what it is today. But you finished schooling and then was shortly after, you probably can tell the story better, but, you know, I don't know whether or not he contacted you. Well, or... we,
1: I was in my last, I was in my second to last clinical rotation and I was going to go do another uh, clinical up in Minnesota and I kind of knew, I mean, it was a great, great experience at the clinic. And at the time, we had another therapist that was potentially going to, potentially be leaving to go take another athletic training uh, position, which was actually a classmate of mine in P- PT school at Des Moines that graduated a, he- a year ahead of me. So I kind of knew that there might have been an opening, so I kind of, I, it just kind of fell on my lap and filled my filled the void for them because they were looking for another therapist. And I already had, you know, some time invested in some training there already, and we were really really small at the time I mean, we only yeah. had um, uh, your dad and myself and another therapist there so that was back in 2001 believe it or not so about 20 years well, ago I think
0: um, you probably know again the date better than I do but
1: the clinic on
0: paper I believe was was really founded around 99 mm mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, as you mentioned it would have been a year or two kind of into the into the clinic, which at the time like you said was really Ron and one other therapist before your involvement. What I wanna get into, Jason, is kind of just because of of who you are and your involvement throughout the last you know, as we said it's it's over twenty years, but you know, you brought up a concept earlier of at the time you you didn't really know where it was going as far as the science what do you call it he's probably was still teaching protonics primarily but when you were first hired and and came on at the Hureska clinic you know I I know you're you're a pretty humble guy and, and you won't really want the acknowledgement but still to this day you're one of Ron's closest sounding boards and you guys are are able to go back and forth, and throughout the last twenty years, have have really clinically developed the science through that clinic. And so, those early years, PRI was was founded in in two thousand, really right around the time you were hired. But maybe just kind of from your perspective, you know, as you mentioned, he was traveling a lot, teaching courses, developing the courses. But what was it like being in the clinic, just? really again, you're a new grad so it's all new to you but also it's new to him because the science is de- being developed right in front of you but clinically you know you talk about having to come up with exercise techniques and and literally drawing this stuff out on paper I just can't wrap my head around the fact that every day had to be almost like a a learning bench you know it's it's really like every day was clinical research if you will it was really being developed in front of your eyes so maybe just from your perspective, like, like how the clinical atmosphere or, you know, patients you were seeing how those first really couple years of your PT career, not only developed you, but coincidentally developed the science of PRI Mm -hmm. kind of right in front of you.
1: Well, I, I think to this day, the science continues to grow and, and we're still, we're still living and learning. Yeah, And we're, if we weren't lifelong learners like we all are in PRI we wouldn't we wouldn't be PRI faithful so I think you know that I can remember you know just seeing all these patients that you know I was almost you know to believe it or not I was over somewhat overwhelmed to say to say the least um, no no way <laughs> just from the fact that your dad was a well-known therapist and <clears> that these patients would come in and then flat out tell you well if no one else can get you better or if, if you can't get me better, no one else can get me better. And, you know, they, they would look, you'd look on their patient intake and they have been seen by three or four therapists. So I'm like thinking to myself, here I'm a new grad. I don't really know much more than what I've been taught from, you know, my clinicals and in this, but I knew, you know, they wouldn't be coming to the clinic if they didn't think that there was some kind of, you know, treatment regimen that would be beneficial. And, and uh, how am I going to be any different than what the other guy did? You know, so... That's what I appreciate, you know, even to this day, you know, you see patients that have been seen by traditional therapists, which I always tell the other therapists in our clinic, if you didn't know what you know from a PRI perspective, what would you do? You're still going to treat that patient in any which way. And so you're you're not doing anything wrong to that patient. You you just do what you know. The problem is there's so much, I don't know if I want to call it diversity, but there's so much stuff even to this day that we're still learning and, and connecting the dots and how, you know, not to get into the whole, you know, I was always kind of intrigued by the cranium and I was always intrigued by teeth and stuff like that. And, you know, and just the reflection of how that influences the body. And and we're finally getting into more dental and vision stuff. And and it just blows you away where, again, you're just not looking at a knee joint or you're just, you know, how the the teeth and the eyes and the feet work together. And, you know, your dad's putting on some pretty awesome courses here of late, and, you know, goes back to the, uh, I remember him always saying this, I can't go there yet, I can't go there yet, because they don't understand, and even to this day, there's some things that he's finally kind of getting, he's teaching what he wants to teach, because now he can, quote-unquote, go, go there. there.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so that's kind of cool now, you know, as he's kind of grown the science. I mean, he's, he's known this for many, many years, I think. It's not that he's been holding back, but sometimes you'd see some weird stuff in the clinic, and you'd be like, what the heck's he doing? So it was always kind of like, again, why are you doing that? And he was always... You know very willing to explain to it and and i i'll be honest with you there's some things you know i didn't even understand and there's some things that you know it's kind of like you may not and it's kind of like you'll have this aha moment that you you know your dad always said this too he kind of he learned from his mistakes not every activity or technique was always intended for that patient it was his best interest of thinking that was what was going to work and i remember there was this one patient probably like my first year out of school, and I'll never forget this. Um, it was even before he, he was just doing protonics, myokin, and uh, postural posture respiration. And I had this gal come in that had, you know, call it sciatica, call it Love whatever that. you want to call, call it, but she'd had some ridiculous pain going down both legs, and, and she also had some numbness kind of in her upper extremity. So it almost sounded, she fit the criteria for someone that would be diagnosed with the MS, And so I had gone through the typical myokin progression, and she got a little bit better, but really didn't, you know, progress. And so I had him consult, and uh, totally way, way, way off uh, the path of my thinking, he he had her do, if I remember right, some left lateral pterygoid work. In something with their cranium and something, you know, with their tongue. And this was like back in the early 2000s. To, like 2001, 2002. and I'm Which like, today you might not be surprised I by. I would have yes. But. but back then it was kind of like, you know, it wasn't that I was skeptical, but I'm like, okay, you know, we'll give it. We don't see, see patients how it goes. I mean, if, <laughs> you know, we'll see if he knows what he's talking about. And so, uh, lo and behold, that gal came back a week later and all her tingling and stuff had gone away in her upper and lower extremities. And... She already had MRIs done, so she really wasn't diagnosed with MS. Um, So she goes, "I don't know what that guy did or what he told you to do or how, but it it worked." And so it's you know he was doing some stuff with the the cranium back then to kind of influence lower lower half of the body's you know ailments. So well, and as you mentioned again, twenty years
0: later, as we sit here today, I think more and more people could appreciate that, but. You know, there's a there's a process and a, a timing for everything. I'm sure all of our course attendees have heard Ron say, "If you don't trust the process, what what can you trust?" You know, you just well, and to- I
1: think part of it too, it's seeing is believing. I mean, I mean, all all of us in Pira, we you know, we call it the aha moments. Whether it be how how a 9090 90 left hemi bridge will change a straight leg raise from you know 45 degrees to 90 degrees, or how a balloon. Will increase someone's internal rotation of the right upper extremity. So, call it whatever you want to call it. Some people call it the magic. You know, someone calls it the Kool Aid. Whatever you want to call it, it's it's once you see that, it intrigues you to look for more and yeah. understanding why. So, I think you know even the unknown. It's kind of the you know they say the fear of the unknown. I mean, if you know everything, then and you're too comfortable with what you're doing, then I think there's a problem. You should always try to thrive for finding a new new thing you know, whatever it may be. Yeah. Well, and you touched on that earlier as far as, you know, I think you're
0: absolutely right. When, when we look at, quote, PRI Nation and and those involved with PRI, you know, I think it's safe to say that a large majority of them are here or have found this science because they are lifelong learners. The other thing I just want to mention in regards to, you know, the early days of the Hureska Clinic and, and not just the early days, but onto today really the coolest one of the coolest things jason that i know you're you're really proud of as you've been a part of it for the last 20 years but you've seen you've you've seen some people come and go and you know i i think simply that's called life there's there's been a number of of pts a number of different aides and and personnel that have, have come and go and that you guys have mentored that that have worked there that have come through your doors uh, at the Haraska Clinic, but really, I think one of the coolest, unique, you know, characteristics about that clinic is, I think, you know, the staff that you're around and have been around since those early days, whether they're there still today or not, have really allowed for that growth and the the outside of the box thinking to where they're not they're not going to stop learning. None of you guys, and, and again. A large majority of, of those involved with PRI are the same type of thinkers. You, you don't, you know, the, the growth that we have seen and endured and been a part of doesn't happen around people that aren't open to it. So one of the really, I think, blessings of, of where you landed is, is the people that you've been around.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, you have, each one of us are mentors to each each other. I mean, we have, you know, we all have our strengths and weaknesses, and we all know which ones they are. And as a staff, I think we kind of know when we need to call for help or, you know, what have you. I think, I think the biggest thing too, to kind of relate back to PRI, PRI as a whole in in, in our campus at the Horesca Clinic, and even sometimes, you know, the way PRI sometimes taught in a uh, in a in a classroom is there's demonstrations and so a lot of times people go back home on monday thinking you know either one they're overwhelmed or number two they're going to try to try to hit that home run right away so i you know i know that there's always a way to get from you know point a to point z but you can't always hit a home run from the get-go and i think sometimes you know we all kind of want to be that that person because we know we can help people but I think sometimes you have to hit you know, I tell people the patients you you have to hit some singles and some doubles and sometimes you might hit a triple, you might hit a home run off that first or second visit. But and do you understand but why you have to yeah. understand why you're doing it and I always try to be an advocate for that that patient because they're coming into a clinic and they're you know, they know that we're different but they don't understand why we're different. And if, you know, they're coming in with something going on with their pelvis but you know something's going on with their neck or their you know, their jaw per se. You're probably not gonna be talking about that right away, even though you know deep down in your heart you'll get there. You're gonna get there. So we just gotta, I think, just remind all of us that the science is there. We just need to keep keep plugging away, and so, I mean, it, it it may be 20 years from now, maybe 30 years from now. I mean, it's it's come a long ways, and even 20 years. I mean, look at where, where we're at now. I mean, so it's just kind of nice and reflective to look back on where we were at and where we're going.
0: Well, and again I, I I think, you know, my dad would reiterate uh the fact that because of because of you and, and the colleagues he's had and really I know, you know, again he would say about everyone he's encountered throughout his life, whether that be as a you know, as a mentor, as a teacher, mm-hmm. as a as a boss, he's had you know, he's had several directed the PT program at the hospital before even creating the, the clinic or the institute, but whatever role he has, he sees and views those people around him as colleagues and as mentors of his own. So I know I know you're as much of a mentor to him as, as he may be to you and the rest of the rest of the clinic staff likewise. But quickly Jason, I wanna get into really what I kinda of hit on when we started is again the the growth of the institute you've been a part of and and we could literally spend hours on stories and discussion of of the last 20 years but one of the really cool aspects of our institute that i bring up with the majority of our guests is really the credential that that we're building that we are so respectful of and and really cognitive uh, cognitive of when we look at that wall out there but you were part of the first ever PRC um, credentialing, credentialing class in 2004, and again, I think, I think there was four of you. I think it was James Anderson, uh, a guy by the name of Rollin Young, Karen, Karen Duran, and Carry Langer. Carrie and yourself, so five total, but I just kind of want to, you know, a lot of our listeners have had similar stories. They've heard stories about what that process is like today. But again, back then, first of all, there was no class before you. There was four other individuals that were willing to go to the same level with you. But at the time, you know, was it was it something that you just trusted in and believed in? You didn't have 200 other people on a wall to say, okay, there's something to this. You did it because you believed in it. But how was that early process in your mind? I mean, you know how it is today. You've, you've helped with a lot of those uh process you know testing classes and process today but as part of that first class you know did did the other people in your class did those other four individuals have similar mindsets as you um really what motivated you besides the obvious that you're working next to ron and you're part of this this growing
1: science but what was it like to be part of that first ever class well back then it was a a work in progress I guess I mean it was kind of you know we didn't even know what what they were I mean, where we were, it was going well we didn't even know what we were going to be called the name of the PRC Posture Restoration Certified or I remember there was you know Roland, Roland Young and James Anderson we all kind of had you know we were trying to get this process we all kind of had a little bit of an input on the certification process let alone going through the process so it was kind of uh, unique in a way um, very I don't want to say maybe use the word intimate, but we all kind of were friends. We were all in it together. We knew that there was, we needed to kind of take that step forward for the science to grow. Well, and really foundational, you know,
0: without the first class, there can't be. But but the the thing is
1: to all these people you're talking about, these people had been coming to courses and we were all kind of, you know, we're all friends. We're still friends today. We, you know, it was one of those things where we all knew all the stuff. We were bouncing ideas off each other and and, and talking and, I mean, emails, and James would always come down to the clinic and shadow your dad from Omaha. It would, you know, it wasn't, I I would even say he was there at least once, if not twice a month, if not more, just going, you know, seeing patients with your dad. So we all kind of knew each other, and, and we were kind of, you know... Part dis- of the process. Part of the process. Yeah. And then just to kind of establish that first class to build what it is today, I don't know if that really answered your question well, or not. Well, but-
0: it's a hard question because there's really no answer because like you said, it, it was a foundational moment in our Institute where uh, I think you, you said it well, it, it really allowed for the growth to occur because of the individuals that were there making it occur. I mean, um, you know, even today we, the process itself and, and it always has been a, uh, really an educational experience, but that can't be more true than for that first class and for some of those first classes that really led the way for what we see today well
1: and i think you know i will reflect on this i i'm i took you know two board exams for an athletic training or three for physical therapy athletic training and strength and strength and conditioning and there's you know so you take a test and you get some initials behind your name um i can attest that this certification, you have a, a real good clinical foundation. It's not just because you passed a 100-question a hundred, hundred multiple-choice test. There's clinical application, which I think in any profession, whether it be an athletic trainer, physical therapist, strength coach, you need that, and you need, you need experience in, in the clinical setting before you even take the test. I mean, it's, every profession has its little little uh, requirements, but I think you know, for those therapists wanting to do PRC or PRT, get out there and kind of get a little taste of the real world and, yeah. and understand that, you know, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to win some, lose some. But it's it's a very clinical, and I think that's what makes it, again, what very it powerful. And and it's not just because you're taking a test and you get some credentials. There's a lot. I mean, it's a two-day ordeal where it's not just an hour test or two-hour test. You're, you're yeah. getting some clinical application. And there's reasoning behind it.
0: Well, and that kind of brings us to my next point here, Jason. And, you know, I know you have been a strong advocate and not, I don't even know if that's the right word, but when it comes to ongoing learning and reasoning behind what this institute does, what the the clinic across the parking lot implements, how, the, how you guys integrate it on a daily basis, you know, oftentimes, and you know more than I do, that those early years, and even today, there's still people out there that believe that what we're talking about isn't, you know, researched or isn't proven in non-theory, non non hypothetical, you know, theoretical uh, literature. So uh, one of your, I would say it's kind of a, a passion of yours, or an interest of yours, is really just research. And I know for anyone that hasn't met jason or seen his desk uh there's only one desk that comes close to my dad's and actually i think jason's is probably even a little messier these days but by by the word messy i i don't mean you know disorder disorderly or or unorganized but i think you have more research articles on a given day stacked up on your desk than anyone i know Um, and we'll get into some of the the writings and, and discussions really articles that you've authored but <clears throat> that's really what it also comes down to you know you talk about clinical integra- clinical implementation and clinical experience and without the the research side of things which we're doing on a daily basis all of our coursework is founded in i think you can attest to that more than anyone but just kind of maybe mention where where some of your passion for for research comes from you know if you've always been kind of research minded I think you probably read at least you know I I know you five to ten articles a week if not more but you know you've had opportunities to author some articles we've got a lot of your work posted on our website on you know you you have it on your website but I told you before we started, we we get a lot of requests still for this uh, three-part femoral acetabular impingement series that you did um, for co-kinetic, but just maybe discuss over the years some of the opportunities you've had to write, and then, again, kind of your ongoing passion for just research and staying up to date with kind of what's out there.
1: I think a lot of it just goes back, you know, everybody wants to see it on paper, and you know the the word evidence based. You know it's got to be evidence based, otherwise it doesn't mean nothing. But truth be told, I think a lot of this stuff that we're talking about. I mean, if you really look back at the research, there's a lot of really, really, really good research that goes back. You know, in you know they want the newest and latest stuff. But I would tell you that a lot of the best research is probably back in the '40s, '50s, and '60s. A lot of these early osteopaths talked about stuff. Um, they were talking about patterns and they were talking about things that weren't readily accepted back in the day but if you really want to find some good good articles like the there's a guy by the name of zinc and there's a guy by the name of pope and there's a lot of other uh, individuals that had influence on different patterns and so it was always kind of like understanding the whys and as whys and how things happen so i'd always kind of really try to find an article and there it's out there the research is out there but no one's really ever put it all all together and put it you know in a in a paper or in a book so what i kind of did with these articles i always tried to kind of take the uh, orthopedic language and try to kind of translate it into a pri language if i could
0: perspective
1: perspective because you know the terminology that they use in a Orthopedic mindset is the same thing that we're seeing it from a PRI perspective, but it's like one person speaking Spanish and one person speaking English. Um, it's still the the concept or the the uh, idea is the same. It's just presented or or translated in a different way. So there's there's tons of research out there. I mean, if you you can look at anything you want to really look at it, and you just got to kind of look at interpret what they're saying and then put it together, whether it be breathing, whether it be, you know, there's a lot of, your dad would attest this to a lot of uh, <clears throat> physiology, uh, journal of applied physiology and physiology articles are good for, you know, the diaphragm and ZOA stuff, stuff that aren't even physically, physical therapy related articles. A lot of the articles are coming from outside the state, outside the States, a lot of European journals, Brazil journals. So, it's out there. You just gotta kinda dig. dig in there and it's not that you have to dig, it's you get enthralled <laughs> in it. You start finding something and you look at the reference and you get to the next article and before you know it you have five or six articles in your <laughs> Or tank. a
0: stack of forty.
1: And and so I always look at my papers and I'm like, Well I wouldn't have printed this off if I didn't think it was important. So my biggest thing is trying to mark what I think is important and in, in knowing why I took that article. Well, and I know you're a lot alike
0: in the in the regard of you know, my dad and you both there's articles that you might have read 10 years ago that, you know, you get you get on something or you walk over here and you bring up, you know, a certain patient case or you're looking for a certain thing, whether it, be, you know, it could be a pterygoid, whatever, you're, whatever your mind's on that day, you're sitting there trying to dig for something and it turns out that you probably had the article from 20 years ago yes. and you go find it in a drawer somewhere and it's bent and it's wrinkled and you probably read it. 20 times already and yet it's still relevant today. So, you know, I like I said, it's, it's something that I think goes unsaid or underappreciated today for how much research there is behind our coursework and behind this science. Not just this science, but implementing it into different areas. Like you said, it could be totally non Related to, to PT or to athletic medicine or sports science. Well, but you got to
1: look at it this way too. It's it's the multidisciplinary integration um, mindset of PRI. You're not going to find it. A P, I mean, even though we're we work under the domain of physical therapy, or or an athletic trainer or whatever, you're not going to just find it in an athletic training journal or a PT journal. You're going to find other concepts, and it could be in a dental journal. It could be yeah whatever. So that's yep. that's the thing. I think it's it's the diversity of everything. I know,
0: Jason, over the years, we've had the opportunity to not only us, you know, the Institute alongside you, but I know you've had a number of speaking engagements, um, not only through the Institute, in services, educational opportunities, but I know you're, you're passionate about carrying over not only that research, but the science into athletic training, athletic medicine, you know, strength and conditionings, and really these other fields of disciplines that still have this you know it's it's we're all quick to say we're we're here to close the gap you know everyone's trying to close the gap between athletic training and and physical therapy and rehab or um, within these disciplines but for our listeners I know you're a pretty you're a pretty regular presenter through the NATA you've spoken at a number of different uh national conferences and conventions the NSCA you've You've had numerous uh, opportunities to, you know, introduce these concepts there. Is there anything, you know, I know you're, you're you're really continually working on submissions for those those other organizations. But is there anything currently that excites you, research-wise, you know, could be clinically, could be concepts you're working on. For example, you did a 10, 20, 30, 40 uh presentation that's listed on your on your page, but as far as the future and kind of the year ahead what uh what is some of the 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 current uh, stuff
1: so it you're still kind of goes back like we started this conversation my background it kind of goes back to my roots. there's one thing I really want to kind of uh, have an influence on is is the uh sports medicine and strength and conditioning world, if you will not that we're gonna change that. I just want them to be aware of these concepts and uh, and appreciate these concepts and, and to know that there's others other ways to approach things. Um, it's not that they're doing anything wrong, it's just something I think it's very important. So that's why I kinda, you know, my background with athletic training, I'm, I never was a strength coach, never claimed to be a strength coach, but I, I know enough working with the rehab and how the strength and conditioning field work with the sports medicine team and how there needs to be integration there. But I think in doing so, just trying to influence or sprinkling some of these PRI concepts into these into other, these other disciplines. disciplines. And I'm going to do a talk here forthcoming in, in uh, June at the NATA again, um, a little different uh, title, which, you know, uh, it's called The Invisible Competition uh, Grounding the Hyper Aroused Athlete. So it's, it's going to have PRI principles. But really, it's, I'm really not even going to try to talk about PRI, to tell you the truth. Yeah. I'm going to talk about you know, autonomic uh, nervous system regulation and inhibition and, and things of how to integrate other disciplines, um, not just PTs, but kind of getting these people to think, you know, for these problem athletes, you know, just kind of back to the day when Ron came in and started blowing up a balloon, well, you have these, pro- you know, I don't want to call them problem athletes, but these people that just don't get better. And you Highly compensated. Well, well, you just don't know what, they don't know what to do with them. And so I'm going to try to maybe bring, bring light to some other things to look at. Um, and that's just, you know, they can accept it, not accept it for, for what it is. I mean, I think just getting the word out there, and, and the word's coming. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, when you go to these national conventions, there's a lot of followers. Um, there's still some people that are still, you know, stuck in their way and don't want to, you know, change Per se, I guess um, change is inevitable. It's going to change sooner or later, whether they like it or not. And then they have to accept the change because you know we're not going to do things that we were doing you know a long time ago. I mean, there's there's foundations, and I think the foundation is there.
0: You know, we're excited to hopefully get back to a lot of those opportunities. That, of course, you know, you, you had. I think a talk last year that was postponed, or or we, you know, we attend these national conventions and thankfully have you and others that that present at them and even you know besides yourself there's always typically some type of concept or presentation or PRI personnel that that presents and and gets the word out there so we're excited to get back to that as I know you are as we wrap up Jason I want to just really congratulate again you and and your staff, the Horesca Clinic that we really share and and collaborate with on a daily basis. You guys I think celebrated your twentieth anniversary, oh, six months or a year before we did here and just from the beginning of our conversation to where we are today, twenty years later, I know I'm as excited as ever was or or could be for the next twenty years as you guys and everyone else around us continue to integrate it. So Congratulations on on that, and I know we'll have we'll have the rest of you know the Haraska Clinic staff on. I I did a podcast with Lori uh, early on in the podcast, but really want to just thank you again for taking the time. A lot of what we discussed, you know, isn't isn't going to be new to a lot of a lot of people out there. But then again, there's people that are in in those same shoes that you were early on, whether it be athletic training or NPT school or just coming out of those programs um, if you're interested in any of jason's work or articles that he's authored those are all on our provider page i know again jason i told you before we sat down there's a lot of interest still in your in your hip impingement articles and unfortunately those are are published through co-kinetics so you can find those through their journal um some of the presentations are on there too but yeah. i don't know if they're all up to date either yeah. so but um, really, really excited about the year ahead, and and again, I want to thank all of you for continuing this process, trusting this process, um, listening with us, and, and hopefully getting something out of these conversations. I know all of you, you know, this is our first kind of first episode back in the new year, and, and a lot of you and, and a lot of us have gone through a lot of changes over the past year, I know it's no different for you guys across the street, Jason. You evolve, adapt, you continue to to help people, and and really at the at the heart of this conversation is all of your desires to really be the best, you know, clinical provider, uh, clinician, athletic trainers, strength coaches, personal trainers, you name it. I, I'm so proud to. I, I just got done telling the recent PRC class that. I'm personally so proud to to know that this science has affected all of those disciplines that we mentioned in the ways that it has. I think uh, as you mentioned Jason, it's only going to increase as slow as it is or as fast as it's occurring. We're hopeful to to be here and and to help you grow and learn and and support you in any way we can. So Thank you for sitting down with us. I don't doubt that there'll be future discussions as, as we continue to grow and you guys continue to, to push us and, and really mentor us as an institute and, and vice versa, really help us clinically implement what we uh, research and experience over here. So um, look forward to sitting down with a couple of your colleagues. And again, if, if you're interested in, in anything Jason's worked on, uh, Jason, I'm sure you're you're always kind of willing to to email back and forth with people, but I know you've mentored a lot of people throughout your uh, clinical years and continue to do so. So um, you can find all of Jason's information on his Find a Provider page and on our website, uh, as well as all of the past presentations and future presentations that he works on. So. Thanks again, Jason, for taking the time. And hopefully, as I said, you know, I think your story, again, we could spend hours on, but really is a, is a part of who we are as an institute and who you guys are as a clinic. So thanks. Thanks, RJ. If you're interested in learning more about the Postural Restoration Institute, you can visit our website at posturalrestoration.com. You can also email me directly at info at or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter to see how PRI Nation is currently applying this science. As always, thank you for listening, and I look forward to having you on our next episode.